might be hitting a downward spiral that could cost them the station. In sports, tragic uh, day in uh, sports today as the body of former WWE wrestler Shad Gaspard has been finally found and identified off the coast of California. We'll talk a little bit about that. In video game news, looks like the new DLC for Call of Duty Modern Warfare has a couple of secrets that we're going to go ahead and talk about. Plus, special guest today, world-famous producer Ronnie King uh, chats a little bit about, give us a, gives us a little bit, uh, some stories on uh, how he started in uh, producing music and all the amazing artists that he has worked with and continues to work with to this day. But first, here is AB's Nobody right here on The Xander Effect. I told y'all these bitches ain't fucking with me like that. Who's kicked up for with when I'm driving, ayy. Pulling up in a mozzie, ayy. Tattoos on my body, ayy. Through a dinner, is private, ayy. I'm for show you a probably, ayy. Got the bitch on the molly, ayy. I'm a church, then they copy, ayy. Talking shit and they hiding, ayy. I'm busy getting a check. Got them on set and they bet. I'm in the neck. I just got brand new adjust. I just might land on the deck. Tell me what's next. I got the Louis on me. I got them juice on my teeth. Swear that it be. Just go and Google the drip. Bitch, I am who you gon' see. Say you got a bitch, but you keep fucking with me. Touchdown in the 305, hop out the PJ. Bank account so long, it look like Oprah Winfrey. Shit too easy, ain't nobody fucking with me. Shit so 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 easy, ain't nobody fucking with me. I need a Spencer thing, yeah, that's what I like Take a big spot, yeah, that's what I might Is they I'm drinking all, yeah, turn up tonight Wanna hang with the gang, need an invite Run it up, run it up fuck it up, broke bitch, shut it up Broke boy, I don't give a fuck Pussy good, but I don't give it up Yeah, I just be doing my thing, yeah No NBA, I got rings, yeah Robins is all in my jeans, yeah Say you got a bitch, but you keep fucking Touchdown in the 305, hop out the PJ Bank account so long, you look like Oprah Winfrey Shit too easy, ain't nobody fucking with me Shit so 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 easy, baby. The why she call up easy, baby. I sweat might freeze me, baby. Lay punch, she say don't leave me, baby. Sin pigs been teasing lately. Then in that pussy, yeah, he the greatest. Late night creep, be the crazy. Don't spit out that nuts, say eat it, 
baby. Who fucking with us ain't nobody. Baby, stop playing that rim that body. I'm really trying to get inside it. Put this whole ass, say, ooh, excited. Trying to get with you one night. Throw it back, baby, say, ooh, she fighting. Grab my back, say, ooh, she biting. Pulling me in, ooh, she like it. Ring, 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 call AB. All that tough, dumb, and nigga can't play me. Too cool, little nigga, stay swayzy. Ballin' on that nigga, come and yell a KD. Boy, you can call a nigga, yell a AD. Not up on the grill, tell that bitch, say cheese. Bend for the dick, make the mama say please. Be the pussy, a real, real lazy. Say you got a bitch, but you keep fucking with me. Touchdown in the 305, hop out the PJ. Bank account so long, it look like Oprah Winfrey. Shit too easy, ain't nobody fucking with me. Shit so 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 easy, ain't nobody fucking with me. It's AB, baby. And my boy, Yellow Beezy. Yeah, we fuck it up. AB's Nobody right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, the world-famous K-Rock seems to be uh, heading on a downward spiral, apparently. And uh, there, are, some people are kind of blaming the new brand manager, Mike Kaplan, uh, because, you know, uh, ever since he be, uh, started off in K-Rock, a lot of changes have been going on. And they've been changes that a lot of people haven't been too uh, happy with. Uh, Mike Kaplan has actually uh, coined the nickname in certain circles called Mike the Show Killer. And uh, it, it, it basically the, 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 the people that came up with that were the former, were the jocks at his former station, which is Alt 98.7 here in Los Angeles. And it seems to be, it seems to be kind of a trend right now because apparently Kaplan's new uh, vision for K-Rock hasn't been doing too well and it hasn't been received too well, not just by people that work at K-Rock, but also former employees. Obviously, Mike uh, uh, Kaplan was the one that fired, uh, you know, Kevin uh, the morning, uh, Kevin the morning with Ali and Jensen. Uh, He fired all of them. It was a huge, it was a mass uh, dismissal by all of them that was actually on the air. Uh, Kevin went ahead and uh, said his goodbyes on the air when they were all being uh, let go from the station and he there's also been other rumors basically saying that Kaplan is demanding that everybody use the call letters of the show K-R-O-Q instead of calling it K-Rock which basically that's the name of the show that's what the station has been called for so many years but apparently Kaplan uh, has a different vision for K-Rock, and he went on to go ahead and say, quote, Listeners absolutely expect rock to be a significant sound on the station. Over the last five to ten years, the appetite for new alternative music with our core audience was not as strong as it had been previously. There There have not been as many big hits that have stuck around. I wish we could play as much new music as possible, but that was not what our audience said that they wanted. Alternative, alternative 
has been leaning more pop and the expectations from our audience were more rock leaning. The artists that consistently performed the best were Foo Fighters, Linkin Park, Muse, Killers, Green Day. When asked about uh, the whole, like, you know, him demanding people to use the call letters instead of K-Rock, he said, quote, rock music is part of what we do. It's part of alternative, but it's not the only part of alternative. We're not just looking to play four white dudes in a band. Our audience is as diverse as ever, and our playlist needs to be too. Whether it's Billie Eilish or Lana Del Rey or rappers making alternative tracks such as 24K Golden and Dominic Fike, we're bringing together what millennials and Gen Z and Gen, Gen Z fans want. There are really no boundaries when you think about music today. We're not a singular focus where we get so so pigeonholed and lack diverse options we don't just stand for one thing it's a lifestyle and an attitude you know what it's crazy because although i i tend to agree a little bit with what kaplan is saying it's like the old saying goes you can't teach an old dog new tricks people audiences here in los angeles have always known k-rock to be rock and alternative music. It has never been known to be hip hop or pop. It has always been K-Rock. And that's the thing that Kaplan's trying to change. But it's one of those things where it's like, dude, you, you can't really do that because you already have stations that play rock, hip hop, pop, rap, and those are called, that's called Kiss FM. You know, basically those are the stations that play that. So you're trying to be another Kiss FM and that doesn't make any sense, especially these days. Now, if you would have started off like that, like many stations start off, okay, this is our platform. This is the type of music we're gonna play. This is what it's gonna be all about from the very beginning. Then there wouldn't be a problem. But people have gotten so used to K-Rock being rock that you're trying to change it up and so that demographic is starting to go down and you're starting to lose listeners and at, at you know by the looks of it if you continue on with this Kaplan you're gonna lose the station in due time trust me on that I'm just I'm just giving you my two cents worth guy you know you've already started to see it go down and you know you you got the the, the nickname show killer for a reason you might want to rethink your approach to K-Rock in other entertainment news Musical artist Saya has adopted two teenage boys. They were about to be, uh, pretty much, they were about to be uh, thrown out of foster care. Uh, the two, the two uh, boys were like just pretty much inches away from being uh, thrown out of the foster care system. Uh, so before that happened, Saya decided to put guardianship to these two boys and give them a home. Which you know, you know, they're they're both actually. Um, she, they were actually 18 when uh, when she adopted them. They're 19 now. Um, and the thing is that, yeah, that might be a little strange, but you need to understand that these kids were in foster care for so many years and they were about to be tossed out. It wouldn't have been a good future for these boys. At least this way, Saya has decided to do a good thing by adopting these two boys, giving them a chance at a better life and possibly, you know, become better members of society. Obviously, we know that a lot a lot of the times these kids that, you know, are ended up that end up leaving the foster care system, they don't end up statistically they don't end up, you know, uh, in a, in a good place in their lives. 
um, you know, they could be, they could succumb to so many things, drugs, human trafficking, you know, gangs, the works. So what Saya did was amazing, you know, props to her for, you know, adopting, you know, these two guys, these two guys and giving them a, a good home. In other entertainment news, Future is getting sued by his uh, baby's mother. Apparently, it seems that Eliza Serafin, uh, it, she basically is uh, is uh, is putting in a lawsuit together against the hip hop artist. And it's basically saying that you know he threatened her. He basically and the thing is that they did a DNA, they did a paternity test, and yes, the baby is in fact his. But he didn't want anything to do with her. He was pretty much you know uh, he was pretty much texting her saying quote uh, TMZ this B stole my last name. Uh, I think that's what I heard. I will never respect the cloud chasing B. Never F O H. So, and it went on to other to other types of you know derogatory terms against uh, against her. Uh, uh, he also sent another text saying, "Let your lawyers speak for you at this point. You bogus stole my last name. Now you want to be relevant? Just fall back off the net trying to prove a point." So. There's so many things going on right now uh, with with what's going on with these texts. You know, basically, uh, you know, calling her names, and also she's saying that he actually threatened to kill her while she was pregnant in order to you know to make her have an abortion. So right now, uh, um, Eliza is suing Future for libel, slander, and emotional distress. So it looks like it's going to be a tough one for Future to get out of, especially if she's got proof with those texts, and of course. The dog, you know, the the little girl is his. So yeah, this it's gonna be tough times for future in in the near future. In other entertainment news, I had the opportunity to uh, interview world famous producer Ronnie King, and man, his stories are amazing. He has produced music with some of hip hop's legends, some of rock legends, and it's just incredible all the stories that he told. But first. Here is Amanda Holly's Fiendin' right here on the Sander Effect.
matter of fact, I have producer, and the, the man is a legend in the music industry. His name is Ronnie King. Ronnie, welcome back to the Xander Effect. I had you on here before with uh, with Lifeline, the band that uh, you're currently doing music with. But Lifeline is not the only band that you've done music with. I mean, you've done music with legends in the in in the sport, I might say. So uh, definitely welcome back on the Xander Effect. Yeah, yeah thank you, Stan. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's I'm sure it's going to be another fine interview with you. And uh, yes, we are going to be doing the new Lifeline record. It's going to be fun. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that. But let's like now we're going to talk about you specifically when when uh, Lifeline, when the when the lead singer uh, Bethel told me about you. I was just like, wow, this guy's a legend in the in the music industry. And, you know, how does one get to become a legend? I mean, how did you get started in music to begin with? Yeah, well, uh, kind of interesting. I mean, I've been playing music my whole life. Then I went into playing in bars, you know, when I was young, like 14. My brother John had a band, so we would play, you know, we would play at whatever, uh, church events or whatever. But basically at that point, about 14, it was like, yeah, man, come play the show with us and here's 150 bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was kind of like, wow, I could play the keyboards and make money. That was kind of like the, the, the fun part of it. And then just probably from about 14, I played in like nightclubs. And actually when I was a senior in high school, I uh, was playing at a bar and I, I'd go up to the bar, I'd play my set. And then they would literally have a guy from the front desk come get me and then put me in the uh, lobby until the 15-minute break was up. Then they'd put me back on stage. And that, that was the way they got around it when I was in high school. So I've always had kind of a brain for commerce and music. Um, and then uh, at the same time, I, I, was, I was studying in, in college piano. And my piano teacher just said, bro, look, you're never going to be in the L.A. Philharmonic. So you might as well just, you might as well just go do what you want to do anyway. And I was like, cool. So I came out of a nightclub one night. We had just popped up, you know, had a great show here in the Coachella Valley. And my wife, Lisa, she was my girlfriend at the time, came out. I'm like, man, I freaking killed it. And she goes, dude, you can have that attitude when you make a million dollars. Right. Uh -huh. So it was just like, I said, I'm going to L.A. I'm going to like play with everybody. And, and that was my thing. That was my mantra when I would drive through downtown L.A. was I'm going to play with everybody I can in this town. And that's literally what happened. I started I put that in, in the South universe, Central then, L.A. In with Battle Cat. Well, I did. I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I knew that uh, I love playing music and I was educated, I guess. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, me and my brother Bobby went uh, to LA and we started a band called the Pseudo Negro, believe it or not. <laughs> and we went and played at World on Wheels in like 19, about 1990. And NWA was just killing the game at that time. Yeah. And uh, we went there and played. We played with the Uzi brothers. And everybody looked at us like, what the hell are we just seeing? And then a guy, Richie Rich, came up from the L.A. Dream Team. And he goes, tomorrow you're going to Jerry Heller's office with me. And he needs to meet you. Oh, man. The infamous Jerry Heller. <laughs> and that was it. 
hey, it was literally, that was it. I mean, the Uzi brothers were like, man, you play the hell out of that keyboards. I mean, and I just like, that was the coolest thing for me because I like, I was never looked down on because of my color or, you know, there was no, none of that. It was just like, you play great music and that's all we need. So it was all about the music. That's, it's always, for me, it's always been about the music, man. I mean, bottom line, I mean, it's like, that was it. And, and I was in a lot of cars, but you know, at that time, you know, the press or like to be the popular kid in school, it, it, it just wasn't uh, viable at the time because everything was so turmoil. So they don't want to go, yeah, man, the main keyboard player on freaking, you know, HWA is a white dude. Like it just wasn't, it didn't fit, you know, mm-hmm. especially when I was from like Palm Springs. Right. So Jerry just said, dude, keep your head down, stay in the car and collect the check. Just was it like when you were when you were working with Jerry Heller? I mean, were the were the like you know because I've seen Straight Outta Compton, I've read the articles, I've read the I've heard the interviews yeah. from everything. I mean, was Jerry Heller like what Ice Cube portrayed him as, or as as Dr. Dre portrayed him as in the movie uh-huh. and in real life? Well, Jerry was like six four, dude. I mean, he was a well, maybe six three. He was a big guy. So in the movie, they had it all wrong. They had him playing like a little Jewish guy, right? Yeah, like he was really short. <laughs> uh, no, he wasn't. He was like 6'3", probably 220, and he pushed people around. And, you know, he had a great mind for business. He was – actually, he had a, 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 a desk over at McCola Records, which is where they were all pressing – Everybody was pressing everything on the, on the, you know, on the West side. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously the history speaks for itself, so I don't need to speak too much on, on Ruthless Records, but mm-hmm. Jerry just said, you know what, Ronnie, you have a talent that we need here at the label. You can play stuff. You can play it quick. It, it was way, it was before the computers. So you had to really play. I mean, we would play the songs live through the whole, you know, on the two inch tape, man. So it was like, yet he, he, I, I just fit the bill basically. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did, man. I would work literally from 10 in the morning to freaking two in the morning, really. I mean, COD, quick. I mean, dude, I was just hanging out at every studio, just going in, playing two or three parts so they could just keep it moving. And then that was it, you know, and then go and then go to another session you know so um that freelance thing was jerry was really right for me on that like you don't have to be the star in the room but just like you say keep your head down and stay in the car so around that time i met johnny J, and johnny J was tupac's producer mm-hmm. on everything from how do you want it to hit him up to blah 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 that 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 story is a whole nother story and then Johnny said the same thing. We need a guy like you that can come in and just replay samples really fast and you hang and you're cool. And so after with Ruthless, and at that time I was making records with Julio G from uh, 92.3 to Beat, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tony G who did Mentidosa, 
did Kid Frost, La Rasta. I mean, the, that's L.A. <laughs> yep. That's like, I don't know. I, 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 like, I, I don't even need to go. But I was like. Yeah, Mentirosa. Dude, you just, you just took me back for a second. Mentirosa and La Rasa. My God. Those are songs from back in the day, man. <laughs> and I was doing all those records. We were doing it in East L.A. up in fucking up a Cog, Cogswell Boulevard. And. We were doing so many records. I mean, at that time, it was like, man, just so many records. I was, I was with Julio, Pac, Frost. I mean, Snoop, Early, uh, Busy Bone. I mean, like, how was uh, it like working with these with these legends of hip hop? You know, I mean, how was it like, especially working with Tupac? How was it like working with him? Well, he was. I mean, he was all business, and it was all work. You know, at that time. Um, Thank God I had Jerry Heller in my corner because, you know, Death Row wasn't the easiest record company to navigate uh, mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. But, and I had Johnny J always looked out for me. And as long as I was, as long as I was there to play the music, I was good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. That was like my, that was like my thing. And then when the politics came in and whatever, I would just go to Jerry and say, hey, Jerry, can you fix it? You know? And then Johnny would say, hey, well, no, you're going to have, to go talk to shit night go walk down the red carpet i was like ah, i don't like that oh man that must have and been then, but but then you know it was like it was just known that i was the keyboard dude on the west coast here just and i wasn't producing a lot at that time i was just playing you know i was just playing records and that went from 1990 really to the current time i mean um but at the same time i was touring with rancid for years which was a punk rock band so you weren't so you um, weren't so you weren't just you were just generally you know in hip-hop you were diving into all all genres of music at this point yeah i mean the the book's called punks and thugs okay mm -hmm. so i would go to punk sessions with rancid the offspring pennywise because i got signed a big record deal with uh, jack grisham from tsol we had our band called the Joy Killer, and we were out touring. And so when I wasn't touring, I would just come back and boom, go right back to death row. And I mean, I was very, I was, it was very rangy. It was a lot of different music at the same time. So not only did I have the touring career, but I had the studio career and writing. And, and then, you know, it was, it was cool because after everybody kind of left death row and it was, kind of dismantling at the time. Um, Johnny was like, hey, we're going to keep this party going and we're just going to go do it up at the house. And he bought a bunch of recording gear. And that's when the phase in of all the, you know, recording gear, you could do it at your house, make records, make beats, you know. Mm -hmm. But we were still using the SP-1200, you know. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you really didn't need, uh, you didn't, like, people started figuring out that you really didn't need a big studio. You could easily create a studio at home as long as you have the right equipment. Yeah, and, and the drum, and that, the big thing at that time was if you were a drum programmer, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of the DJs that came up from the West Side or even New York or really the world, they were making beats. And I wasn't really a beat maker. I was a keyboard dude. So, but the thing was, is there was a lot of, legalities going on with how you get through the sampling rights and that's a whole nother story in and of itself but i'll make it i'll, I'll simplify it for people 
that don't know anything about publishing. Because mm -hmm. that's how, as artists, make a lot of money, right? Through our publishing. Right. So I would go in and replay, a, say, a Roger Troutman sample, and then that was it. So then we, they, you know, no one would really have to pay the original recording licensing for that. Mm -hmm. Then they switched it and said, well, you can't even interpolate it. So then there was like, well, if you're going to play it and you're not going to pay, you know, for the song, then you're going to have to pay a smaller percentage to the writer of the original that we know you took it from. Like all, you know, all the earlier songs, you know, from there, they were like, you know, freaking Vanilla Ice came out with Under Pressure. Uh huh. Come on, I mean, like from Queen. Yeah, and David yeah, Bowie. yeah. They went ahead. Yeah, they went ahead. He went ahead and remixed it to Ice Ice Baby at that point. Right, but the rules were you could take four seconds. I mean, I don't want to get too technical on everybody right now, but anyway, the sampling laws were changing. So as they were changing, we were manipulating the business. So. Basically, at the end of it, they said, you can't even make it sound like a Roger Trapman sample. So we went, okay, well, we'll just run. Hey, they were like, funny, uh, one time, I think it was Julio or, or Tony G. They're just like, play it in reverse. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? That's I innovative. Like, I turned the song around, flipped it in reverse, and it was like, it sounded like a Roger Troutman sample, but it was in reverse. So then it was just like, oh, we now we got the hook. And then basically after that, I mean, that was my, that was my, you know, kind of like my forte is just being the keyboard guy. Uh, because like I say, still at that time, we didn't want to spend a lot of time, you know, time is money. And then those studios are expensive, even going in and, and 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 recording on the two inch or, or or just at the house. I mean, and plus, guys, we weren't really like up on all the the uh, MIDI and programming, and it all had to, uh, you know. Yeah, Pro Tools wasn't invented yet at this point, right? Well, it was just coming in, but we would only use it for literally for vocals. You could only get like six tracks on it, you know. Mm. And so there were like, loud. It, was just, it was just barely starting to get, you know, like the inception yeah. was barely starting to get in there. But I, I'm, I'm curious, were, at this time, were you like crossing over to being a producer or were you still just, you know? A yeah, no, I was, I know I was producing it the whole time. I was actually around that time. I was producing Big Psych from Thug Life with Mo Cream and, and uh, producing punk rock bands like Total Chaos. And so, you know, it's like, Doing it all was kind of like I say, yeah, like it's all about the music. I mean, they were like, Ronnie, come in. And and then if it was me and Big Psych, we'd just be sitting there. He'd have the drum machine. Mm -hmm. I'd have the keyboards and we would just go at it, you know. Well, but keyboards, obviously, keyboards was your complete forte. You didn't really touch any other instruments. Uh, I didn't mess around really with the drum machines because I there was always great drum programmers around. It was like mm -hmm. it just didn't I didn't have to really mess around with that. But, you know, since I was in hip hop, it was funny, I did a Offspring single called Hit That, that really became their second biggest song in history, which was interesting. They did uh, Keep Them Separated yep. <laughs> was the first one. Uh -huh. But this second one, Hit That, was very popular in the world. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and he's like, dude, play that Dr. Dre stuff with your mood. I'm like, what? 
And then he's like, no, do those. Man, I was so confused on what he really wanted me to do, but I just kind of did it. And uh, it became a very, very, very big song. So as, as we see music progress, you know, we've went from taking samples from other people, da, 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 da. Pretty soon now it's the DJs doing a lot of producing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going back into my orchestral world. Mm -hmm. So I'm really having a great time just playing the piano and, uh, you know, making orchestral songs. But I'm doing a record um, that I'm going to take all the hit songs that I ever did or the ones that were really popular and make them like orchestral songs and redo them and then hopefully like busy bone or the offspring or frost they'll want to get back on the original track but now it'll have an orchestra on it you know what i mean nice nice no that sounds like a great idea and you you mentioned how uh you know music started changing how is it like when you know with the licensing and everything how was it like when you guys when napster came around i, I mean how did how much of a hit did you take when napster was was formed <laughs> Well, nobody knew about like streaming media, so we weren't really concerned with that really too much. Mm -hmm. Kind of the fun part about it with us is we would pay a guy like 250 bucks and then he would somehow have this device on his computer where it would give us a bunch of listens, you know, like they do now, you know? Mm -hmm. So Napster, it was just like, oh, we were playing, we're playing, we're playing, you know? And, uh, but at that time, it, it wasn't really the business yet. Nobody even knew it, but you know, then the lawsuit came in and all of a sudden everybody's getting huge checks mm -hmm. from the social media game at that time. It was mm -hmm. amazing, but, um, no, yeah, we didn't really care too much about the Napster thing. I mean, my business, you know, I'm a, I'm a walk in the room. Let me play your stuff. Let me save you like 25 grand and, you know, you figure out what you want to pay me. You know what I mean? Type of thing. No, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty simple enough. I mean, obviously the game has changed over the years now, you know, now that we have Spotify, Pandora, you know, you got YouTube, you got all this stuff. I mean, yeah. how, how, like, how have you adapted with the change of the times? Oh, well, for me, um, I'm, I'm just in the system, dude. I'm in, you know, I'm in the system so heavy because all those records I did for, you know, 20 years, they're still selling, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just had a huge, I mean, not to, you know, not to talk out of school or anything, but with this pandemic, everybody's sitting at home listening to records again. And this first quarter was huge, man. It's oh, like, I bet. I bet, you know, January to now, people have been sitting on their computer and every time they hit that list, you know, keep pressing the button, but no, we're good. I mean, uh, the social media thing is cool. Um, obviously we feel we should probably be making more money with Spotify and iTunes and whatnot. That's going to have to adjust itself, but the production business and the writing and what I do, um, it's, it's still valuable, you know, mm. so it's still worth something. So I haven't really felt a hit too much anyway. And I've been touring for the last three, four years. I've been out with Pepper. I just was up for a Grammy this year with uh, Steel Pulse. Um, uh, I'm, 
I'm, I still, still feel very relevant, but just in a, it's in a, I'm in a different car. I'm in a bigger car, you know, I'm not in a hoopty anymore. I'm like oh. in the Escalade, you know, I mean, dude, dude, let me tell you something right now, man. Like, seriously, you, <laughs> you've been in an Escalade for the longest time. I mean, you've been, <laughs> you've been nominated for Grammys like so many times. I mean, you have yeah. like records, like you have platinum gold you have all that stuff you've been in dude you've been in a lambo you haven't been you've been in a lambo this entire time you know what i'm saying hey, so, don't sell yourself short by any means well, you know the, th the the funny thing is still a handshake business man to me pocketbook that wants to really develop an artist i mean that's still the number one thing you know and whether it's a record company or it's an independent banking guy or it's just some rich guy who just wants to give, you know, 300 G's to an artist that I like or something like that. I mean, that, that's real money, you know, and it's not like, I don't know, it's 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 not a it's not a dream. It's like that's the reality of the game. It's like, yes, we need all the social media numbers. Yes, we need to be doing podcast yes we need to be doing all that but will i ever be a takashi 69 probably not <laughs> well i mean i think you surpassed takashi in the in like <laughs> pretty much in all the music that you've done over the past like years or so i mean i think you surpassed that hey but but if you've seen that video stuff the last yeah. couple days it's like you, you can't really you can't really say no that it's not happening true it's like yeah, man, you're breaking records and records and 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 you're you're blowing it up. You know, those are real Ronnie, that, that at the end of the day has also to do with the fact of the matter so many people are at home and they yeah. have a lot more time on their hands, obviously. Yeah. So obviously that's gonna like you said so yourself, you've seen a spike in numbers yes. the music that you've had. So that's has a lot to do with it, with the fact of the matter that people are home. Now, if people weren't home or, and they were going about their normal lives and everything, which, which nowadays normal is, you know, <laughs> yeah. term at this point, um, you know, it, the, the numbers would be different. I would imagine the numbers would actually be different. No, it's, I've, I've seen a huge spike. I mean, people are watching TV. I mean, that's why I was so stoked with the Pepper track. I mean, that was just like how, you know, people are watching Netflix. And, and then we're able to use that and and hopefully once we get back out on tour again and all that it'll all play into it but you know it's kind of coming it kind of comes and goes too you know it's like okay what's what's the next thing you know you're gonna do you know what's the next track what's gonna be the next deal i'm working with a real beautiful little artist she's 18 a star is her name she's here at the ranch you know as we speak but she's she's 18 and she's young and her father's very well known in the business, knows the business great. So she has a little better shot than maybe most. But then at the same time, you know, you just got to keep your head down and go after your dream and it'll it'll keep going, you know. That's that's and that's pretty much all you can do at this point. But, you know, at the end of the day, would you think that all this stuff, all this preparation that you guys are doing currently right now is going to be a great I, I would say a great starting point for the tours that, you know, you, you might have planned out when the, all this craziness is over with. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because we have to. I mean, for me, I'm putting a newsroom in my studio. It's going to be like, like CNN. And and I've already got like so many friends of mine in the business are like, hey, Ronnie, can we, you know, come down for a weekend and shoot a bunch of shows? And because I'm going to have professional lighting, the nice flat screen in the back. I mean, I really, that's kind of like my thing that I, I think I can contribute to the music business is, you know, I love all the podcasts where people are the, you know, the video cast where they're in their living room and they're hanging. And that's all really cool. But I'm kind of like an industry guy and I like nice studios and I mm -hmm. like, I like being on the big stage and I like the lights and I like the whole camera action. Let's You've go. You've been spoiled so in other words. <laughs> well, I just, I just like, like this CNN thing. I'm like, yeah. I want to be Ted Turner in this thing. I mean, I'm not, I'd, I'd love to figure out how, to have my my own Pluto channel about just rock and roll news or interviews or whatever. Remember, like old MTV used to have yep. such great music shows. When, when it was actually I, when that when it was actually music television. Yeah, and I think that's important because we don't have a lot of music television. I mean, I do travel the world, and if you go to Costa Rica or Argentina or anywhere else but here. They still have music shows, dude. True. Very true. Are you going to call it King TV? Oh, I don't know. I haven't figured out the name yet, but <laughs> that'd be cool. Hey, and I was even going to go so crazy. I was going to get my own FM freaking signal man out here. Screw it. Wow. Well, you know. That'd be fun. Well, yeah, because a lot of people still are listening to FM radio. I mean, I'm in the Coachella Valley, dude. So we don't get K-Rock out here. We don't get like. I mean, we have satellite, and that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no local radio that's, you know, uh, like K-Rock or something like that, you know. So maybe I can make a little K-Rock down here. I mean, obviously, we know the Coachella Festival is very important. And, um, you know, we have, we have a lot of stuff going on up in the higher desert, up in Joshua Tree, a lot of cool concerts and stuff. And... Guys are actually putting stages in the middle of the desert, generators, and then just telling the people, hey, just be, stay in your cars and just listen to the music, dude. And it's working. It's very, very exciting. Man, sounds like it definitely sounds like you have a plan for uh, after and even possibly during the pandemic right now. So, I mean, that's that sounds like an amazing feat oh, that, you're, that you're doing. Well, you know, it's happening. A lot of people are doing it. And you have to be once again, you kind of got to be resilient because we just had three months of touring and we're not even. I mean, I know with Pepper, they got a big old tour planned. You know, they the, the tour was supposed to be now was slightly stupid and uh, it, was, it was a big tour, but that's off. And now they're saying, oh, it's 2021. But, you know, who knows when the next time we can have those kinds of numbers again? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's very difficult right now to tell. And, you know, I mean, I just I, I'm looking forward to, you know, to the tours. I'm looking forward to the concerts again. Because, you know, it's, it's, you know, music is music. I always say this at the end of my show, music always, always heals all. And right now it's been doing exactly that. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's definitely switching and it's, uh, it's, it's music is important. And we've seen people do the, uh, the live broadcasts and, 
all that. But you know what's so funny is some groups that I see live, when they're on TV, it's like, no, you're, you're not, you're not really, t- you may be real popular, but you're not TV, you know? <laughs> I, no, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, true. like, like this podcast, you have a, have to have a certain kind of voice and you, true. and you have to be appealing and you got to keep the party going and moving and forth. Some of these cats that I know that are selling out 20,000 kids a night, they'll be doing a podcast and I'm just like, wow, bro, you're kind of boring. Because you know? <laughs> it's a different world, man. Oh, that me up. And that's why we love that freaking Takashi 69. Yeah. I could watch that guy all day long, man. He knows how to appeal. He's like the way the way he is, he almost reminds me of Conor McGregor, but the music version of Conor right. McGregor, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's a fight. It's like a fight. It's like a battle. The and guy that like, everybody hates, like the guy that everybody hates yeah. to listen, but you can't stop listening. And you can you love looking at him and you're like, wow, this cat. Hey, but he spit some, I mean, and he's spitting some knowledge about the music business. The billboards, and, yeah, and, I heard about that. Yeah, I mean, that's real talk right there. I mean, that, you know. That that is so. That is very true, my friend. I mean, you know, when they want to move the the pendulum up or down. I mean, that's when you're at that level, you know. And we've been there a few times. I was, I was kind of hoping this year when we were up for the Grammy that someone would do that for Steel Pulse because Steel Pulse is so dope to me. But uh, Coffee won, and Coffee's great from Jamaica. You know, she's great, young. You know, but I was hoping someone was just going to push that pendulum for the boys. You know, that would have been fun. It's all politics at the end of the day. And, you know, it's all business. It's all money. And it's it's funny because when I saw that, I mean, shortly after that, Ariana Grande had a lot to say about that. She was like super pissed about that. Um, oh, basically, yeah. basically saying that, you know, uh, they're no, only allowed four four units to buy four units, something like that. That the nut, that, you know, <laughs> your BS, and she got pissed. And then she was kind of making it, uh, making it about gender. She's like, "Well, how come uh, you're only picking on me? You know, how come you're only picking on a female?" And then Bieber stepped in and said, "You know what? If you're gonna go ahead and talk, you know, smack about Ariana, you're gonna have to put my name in there because it's both our songs." And I'm just <laughs> like, and I'm just like, oh, well, I mean. It just seemed to me, to be honest with you, it just seemed to me that Takashi was mainly targeting neither Ariana nor Bieber. He was targeting the uh, he was targeting Billboard itself, and the fact of the matter that you no, can go was. ahead and buy that about the business, the exactly. game, man. They, they took it personally. They took it like it was an attack towards them. That was a personal attack, and it wasn't. I didn't see that it was a personal attack. I yeah. saw that he was just attacking the billboard and how they conduct their business and how they are able to manipulate numbers. That's yeah. That's how I saw it. That's that's how I heard. Yeah. Well, that and that's the business. And you know, like we were talking about, you know, some of my earlier years. I mean, there's always been that part of the game that always had to be, you know, dealt with, and you're and and you still got to deal with it. And the higher in the tree you go you still got to deal with it and um but there there's a whole new there's a whole new game going on um especially because and i you know obviously we know tv and media and social media is 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 at an all-time new high because dude we're not going to be able to go tour exactly for a for a minute you know wow yeah 
So that's all that's all we can give them is 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 stuff like this, information like this. You know, I want to do a lot with what I'm doing with my how-to videos. If you ever wanted to know, oh, how did that get played, or how do you, you know, or just stories on how do you navigate yourself in the music business, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you know, I've I've got a, a lot of guys to call. You know, I've got a lot of businessmen. I got a lot of artists that can talk, and they all want to talk about it because Gene and the young guys are kind of sitting there, well, hey, I just had a million hits on my thing. Well, a million hits is only like fucking what? 8,000 bucks, 7,000 bucks. I mean, <laughs> if they can live on $7,000 to get a million hits, I mean, you know how long that takes? I mean, to get a million hits, that could take eight months. That's true. So what are you doing? You're really sitting there going, hey, I just got a million views on my shit. Took me eight months. So that means, well, proactively, you only made a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing these days. I mean, go get unemployment. You make more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> well, Ronnie, yeah, no. Ronnie, man, I mean, are you are you also working besides with Lifeline, besides with Pepper, besides with uh, the the new artists that you have? Who else are you working with currently right now with music? Oh, man, you know, it's been so interesting is a lot of artists have been just sent like, I don't know, they're coming from everywhere, really. I just mm -hmm. had this French guy. I, I don't even really remember his name, but it's kind of like this random stuff. Can you make a record and can we still work during this time? And so it's coming from everywhere. It's coming from uh, Costa Rica. I'm working with like the biggest bands in Costa Rica. I mean, Gandhi. Pedro Camp, Manny, oh, it's Puerto Vida Land. And, you know, I've been down um, jungle recording studio out there that's going to be dope. And, um, you know, it's going to be a place where you could go record, but still hang out, go surf in the day. And the water's fresh, the food's fresh, everything's fresh. And then go record a couple of cool reggae songs, you know. Nice, man. And, man uh, sounds, from that, what that, that I, definitely sounds like the translation of Pura Vida. <laughs> Pure well, life. <laughs> yeah, well, and as well, you know, they may, uh, because of the pandemic and most of their money was being made with um, tourism money, mm -hmm. they're thinking about legalizing wheat. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> they might as well. Everybody else is. Everybody else is. And you know what? They can make, they can... They can tax the business and all, you know, I mean, I've already got five guys right now. Just like, hold on. I'll, if it goes, dude, I'll do the best I can do to get you on the front line. Nice. Because, and these are real players that are, you know, doing it here in the States. Right. Nice. So that could be really fun. And profitable. And just, <laughs> yeah. Profitable. And I just, man, my, I, I love doing my, philanthropic work with the people there in Costa Rica and as well as all of Latin America, we're doing great things. And my solo record, I have an orchestra from the Ukraine, they will Ukraine from Lviv. And uh, it's an amazing orchestra. We're going to do like 12 songs and I've got John B. I'm going to do, you know, like I said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do all the hit songs I've ever played on and then get them to just come back and re-sing their their own songs but only with a cool orchestra right 
Wow. Suffice it to say, you are definitely staying busy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm busy, and I'm very. I'm like, I tell my wife, it's like I'm busy in a weird way because it's like, I just go from one project to another. It's like, I don't really think about the time. I just think about oh, some basic needs. Okay, I'm hungry. Okay, great. <laughs> Uh, I need to take a break. All right. Hey, I need to work on this song for eight hours. Okay, great. You know, it's just like, it's really changed the way that I get production done. And it's really cool. I really like it, really, to be quite honest. Is that is that some good advice? Yeah, I really like, like it. Is, is that some good advice that you could go ahead and... Uh, and give to uh, like these 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 young producers these days to always take a break and always you know get make time for yourself. You really do. I was just telling my artist here. You know, they drove in from LA and there was like traffic and stuff. I said, just just chill out, man. Chill out for thirty minutes. Chill out for an hour. Jump in the pool, whatever. You know, because if you come in and you're like, oh, sorry, we're like two hours late or something, and 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 then you're just trying to rush it all. And, it's better you take that one hour to just chill out. Then you come in, because songs don't have to take forever to do, you know? That's what we used to do with Pac forever. Johnny would put a beat down. I would put some keyboards on it. And in 30 minutes, Pac, he would go, okay, I'm ready to write. And then it would take him. He would only do five or six passes anyway. So within 45 minutes to an hour, the song was done. And that's and that's the thing is that is that at the end of the day, you know, I mean, you have to relax. You have to like really relax and be relaxed, so that way you could you know shell out a really good product. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just it's just so much pressure that you're more yeah. focused on the pressure rather than on what's at hand right there. Yeah, yeah, you just gotta have your you have to have your mind together. And it was funny. I was I was I'm writing these books now, you know, and that was one of the things. It's like. When you walk into a studio, be prepared, be ready to go. And, and even if it's in your house and you're like, hey, I'm going to start recording at noon. But when you're there from noon to six or however long you're there, I mean, really be present with it. Really be conscious. Really try to make the best track you can instead of getting sidetracked or all this. Because, you know, there's a lot of cats like us out there that are really putting in the work and really want things to pop, you know. No, totally, totally. So you talk about books. Which books do you have out right now for people to go ahead to for you to recommend well, them to go ahead and check out? My my new one is is just getting the final touches to it. It's called the uh, Seven Sacred Keys. Seven Sacred Keys, okay. <laughs> and base yeah, and basically all it is, it's just like some simple navigational tools to uh to to keep an artist motivated. You know, if they ever get like, oh, I just don't know what's going on and you know, it's basically like, look, you wake up, you take a shower, hey, practice for 30 minutes, play the piano, or, you know, even though you want to make a hit song, you want to do all this stuff, do some basics that are like things that'll help you motivate throughout the day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something that'll relax. So you just don't sit there and come in and make a track. I mean, hey, why don't you spend two hours and put some sounds together or, you know really investigate you know so there's just a lot of things that i do and it's basically just my process of how to keep things going and and you know and stop don't try to make phone calls all day with your business and then try to make music i i can't do it really for me i like to do my interviews in the morning dude when i'm fresh nine to like one i'm good (laughs) you know what i mean 
And then I have the rest of the day. I'm not picking up my phone. I'm not getting, you know, sidetracked because there's a lot of things that'll sidetrack us, you know? So it's just like really focus on the music when you're doing it. And then it's like, okay, hey, take dinner, you know, really be there, you know, and be involved in your music and be involved in the process too, you know? No, that's awesome, man. That's definitely good advice. And Ronnie, yeah. how can how can people stalk you on social media? Dude, it's Ronnie King Official. And uh, we're everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn. And it's so funny because each one of those platforms have different people that deal with you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the LinkedIn, it's it's the manager that calls, you know. Hey Ronnie. <laughs> we want to, you know, do a song with you. And what do you think about, you know, and it's always a conference call, you know, with a bunch of guys on the line. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but then, then you get the Facebook guys and it's like, Hey bro, I haven't seen you since high school. Hey man, what's it cost to produce a song? I mean, it's just like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, now we know why you, why you reconnected with me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then it's like, yeah, and then it's like, and then the Instagram is just kind of like, that's the hip, hip place to be. So you just got to be there and base. All I do is really just keep it business. I mean, I just keep it uh, in the studio. Like right now, you know what I can do? Then you probably, but this is, this is just kind of some of the fun that I love doing, right? Mm-hmm. So I could be here like right now. So you can't see this because I'm watching you. But mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, I'm on the Xander Effect doing a memorable interview, uh, which will be awesome. But you know what I'm doing? I'm doing a selfie with my little iPad in the studio. Check to Relaxo. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of a prelim to the actual interview. <laughs> that's really cool yeah that's what you gotta love about technology these days man so that's definitely yeah. something you take advantage of so that's what you're gonna see when you're on like my internet stuff i mean you know all the bands i work with all have like super pro dudes with 4k and red cameras and it's all super tight and i love being with them and doing all that but when i'm just on my grind like this at the house like doing an interview or working i just like hey i i think this you know i think that's what they're looking for from me it's like wow this cat really does work a lot and he's mm-hmm. it's a day-to-day moment by moment thing and i'm i'm not like making a bunch of videos just uh here's uh, my food or something like that it's like man here i am i'm back on the grind wish me luck you know no i completely agree man well Ronnie King, you know, I look forward to, you know, some, some of your music that you got coming out. I look forward to your new uh, endeavor as far as, you know, creating your, no, your own network. That would be really cool to yeah. watch as well. Um, I look forward to a lot of stuff, man. I hope to have you. Thank you so much for being on the Xander Effect to begin with. And I hope to have you again very soon, maybe to talk about your new network. That would be a lot of fun. Man, when I get it up and running we'll make sure and maybe there's a way that you know i want to make the network of course so it all works together with everybody else so there's some technical stuff going in but we're putting it all in this weekend we'll have the lights uh like i said dude and i've got (laughs) i got peter dante dude and i've been really twisting his arm but i want to do like a like you know how saturday night live does the news show yeah yeah weekend update weekend update dude and you just 
hey, this is Ronnie King and da 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 da. Who's touring right now? Nobody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> make it kind of funny music news, but it's really kind of like MTV or music news, you know. Well, man, I look forward to it. Ronnie King, thanks again for being on the Xander Effect, man. And we'll talk very soon. Uh, Xander, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, uh, I just appreciate everybody listening. I'm one of your new biggest followers. So <laughs> you. if you see me like it or share it or tag it, you everybody else do the same thing. And we'll, uh, we've got a beautiful platform here to be able to talk about music. And you had some uh, great, great, interviews as of late um the girl last night was really good i like sherry her. nelson cool. yes she was amazing yeah sherry nelson she's cool awesome roddy we'll talk soon man okay brother thank you so much <laughs> all right take care okay take care. thank you so much ronnie king for being on the xander effect hope to have you on the show very soon in sports it is a sad day unfortunately today as uh los angeles uh county fire department uh have identified the body of ex wwe superstar wrestler shad gaspard he passed away at the age of 39 he uh was last seen on sunday as he he went out on a swim with his 10 year old son when suddenly a strong current came and pretty much took them into the into deeper waters now when that happened the uh, lifeguards and authorities were trying to frantically get out there to save them um, and but before that happened uh, Shad basically told uh, lifeguard and the, and and the authorities to go ahead and save his son first which they did they saved his 10 year old son first but when they were trying to go ahead and save him, another current came and pretty much took uh, Shad Gaspard. And uh, la- last thing that the authorities said is that he actually went under. He actually uh, he actually submerged. Obviously, when they said that, you know, I-, I mean, you know, people were hoping for the best. But obviously, that's never a good sign, especially since they were looking for him for three days and they couldn't find him. They finally uh, basically said that um, they found the, his body washed ashore off of uh, LA's Venice Beach. The body was seen on uh, by a local that was around there who called the cops at around 1.30 in the morning uh, on Wednesday today. And when they got there, sure enough, they did, uh, they did unfortunately identify the body as Shad Gaspard. Again, he was 39 years old. He is considered a hero, not just because he uh, saved his son's life, but he had also uh, stopped an armed robbery in Florida as well. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he did die a hero. So rest in peace, Shad Gaspard. My condolences go to his family in during this very difficult time. In other sports news, looks like Vince McMahon is still hell-bent on making the XFL work as he's trying to buy the XFL. So according to an article on uh, ProFootball.com by Mike Florio, it seems that this man's uh, trying to reacquire the XFL, but not not exactly for the purposes, well, possibly for the purposes of reinventing it. But according to the article, uh, Mike says, quote, the XFL declined comment to Kaplan regarding the potential strategy that would, if effective, allow McMahon to escape debt at a time of devastated revenue 
and reemerge on the other side of the pandemic with a clean slate. The clues as to the creditors' beliefs come from their objection to a proposal in bankruptcy to pay $3.5 million in season ticket refunds. The committee of creditors wrote that the payment is, quote, is being sought to further the efforts of the debtors, debtors uh, controlling equity holder secured lender Vincent McMahon to acquire the debtor at a fire sale price, end quote. The ticket refunds would be aimed at bolstering relations with customers in anticipation of future business arrangement. So in essence, according to the article, in essence, basically Vincent Man is trying to escape an already declining uh, an already declining business that he has right now. The WWE has been suffering with ratings. It's been suffering through a lot. And then here comes this pandemic. And then, no, of course, no ticket sales because there's no stadium. Like, no, there are no crowds at any of the events. WrestleMania took a big hit. The XFL then went bankrupt. But, I mean, to be honest, the XFL was already going bankrupt as it was. There was hardly anybody, any fans going to the stands. So for Vince McMahon to honestly just keep on pushing this... I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like it's he's trying to beat a dead horse. It's like, man, let it go. It, it's you know, you're never going to be a football mogul. OK, stick to what, you know, stick to wrestling. Refocus all your efforts on trying to pick up, you know, what's going on with WWE as it still continues to decline. You need to focus on that and stop focusing on on, on, on a business that failed. I know that, you know, he, Vince Man's the type of person that did, cannot ex, um, accept failure. But you know what? Like the old song goes, sometimes you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Coming up in video game news, looks like the new uh, DLC for Call of Duty has a couple of rumored uh, spoilers in it, you might say. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up next. But first, here is JP Castillo's Besame Mucho right here on the Sander. Bet.
This is AB. Hey guys, this is Sean Kanan. What's going on? It's Amanda Holly. Hey, Jeremy Miller from Growing Pains here. This is Max and Model Riley Sawyer. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effect. I'm a killer, you bout to catch it like this shit Corona Baby, you a stoner, I got a lot of by your friends And when you done, shorty hang the phone up Damn, shorty take a pic, rich nigga shit Hit a lick, spin it quick, give you back shots like I'm ignorant Slide up inside ya, you ain't believe me that I saw you like Riley Call me a Elijah Sawyer, Eliza, and ex-young Krigga 
roll up right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, we got a brand new DLC, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Warfare DLC, and apparently, according to multiple sources, it seems that they added uh, a feature in uh, in Warzone, and it, it basically it's a bunker with a bunch of hidden stuff inside of it. And what's going on is that, according to multiple sources, they say that that could be uh, that could be a, kind of a preview of one of the new maps that's going to be in the upcoming uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, which again, it's tentatively titled, or actually it's a rumor to be titled, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So many, many sources are saying that what's hidden inside this bunker, uh, well, this map, this this portion of Warzone is actually going to be a part of the brand new map that's going to be in the new game for obviously the next gen console that's going to be coming up later on this year. So there's th that's the rumor mill. Another thing as well that they're talking about is that obviously we know that in the previous uh, Black Ops, there wasn't a story mode, there wasn't a, a, a single player mode. Looks like that's also rumored to be coming back as well. Uh, for the new Call of Duty Black Ops. So looking like, because it's, it's, I'm assuming that they're doing that because although the last one was, okay, it was really cool that we went directly from you know, from getting the game to immediately playing multiplayer, a lot of us actually like the storyline as well. We love playing the story mode. Plus, it gets you familiar with a lot of the weapons and a lot of the 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 uh, perks that you get in multiplayer as well. So it gives a person a chance to go ahead and get really familiar with the weapons, the maps, everything, the gameplay, everything. So that's a good start jumping point. So pretty much that's what's going on with that. Again, these are just rumors, but if they're if they're if they're true man this map is gonna be amazing there there's also another rumor that it's gonna be similar to a couple of features that are on fortnite as well so i mean obviously fortnite has you know pretty much pioneered uh an open world type of uh type of multiplayer game setting that has has made a lot of these other games kind of mimic what they're doing as well they've seen the the success of it so it wouldn't surprise me that call of duty the treyarch is going to go ahead and try to do the same thing so we'll see what happens we're gonna have to wait until until the brand new uh call of duty comes out later on this year in the brand new next gen consoles whether it be the xbox series x or the ps5 we don't know yet we'll just have to wait and find out that's the news in case you haven't heard it thank you so much for listening again we are still in this crisis the pandemic is not over unfortunately and until it does until it's gone we all have to continue to be safe when we go out wear your masks wear your goggles if you got them wear your gloves if you got them so that way you can go ahead and stay safe not just for yourself but also for your loved ones and always thank all these essential workers for all the work that they've been doing make sure you thank them every time you go to shop at one of these places where they're working at and remember music always always heals all we'll see you next time y'all <laughs> I'd be tell I tell Yeah, you did. They ain't believe it, though. <laughs> One life. You brown. Same game, be telling. What up? Woo! Kick it like it's kickball. Power couple. She dripping in that they'll say goodbye. They wanna touch her. Everybody know that's do girl. What you gonna do by me and her take on the world? Now that's the truth. Hey everyone, the Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc. 
Sony Music, The Orchard, and BMG Bertelsmann Group in association with Art19 Media.